The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn a sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. This is On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN. 106.7 for the next two hours. Uh, we have all sorts of things to discuss on this Rivalry Wednesday. If, you are, um, if you've been here for a while, you know we talked to uh, Alabama beat writer and reporter. We also talked to a Georgia beat writer and reporter and get you caught up on what's going on with Auburn's rivals here on a Wednesday afternoon. So we will do that. Uh, we'll talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 coming up at 2.30. We'll also talk to Austin Hannon of Bama Central coming up at 3.30 in hour number two. In in between there we've got some things to talk about the newest ap top 25 poll i know i ran through it really quickly yesterday at the end of the show uh, but we'll go through that also want to give you some updates on auburn football we got an injury we got to talk about i'm not excited about it obviously it's it's not a good injury for auburn uh there are no good injuries but this one this one hurts for auburn as they get ready to take a trip to california then later on in the show, I want to give you my SEC power ranking coming out of week one into week two. And so uh, excited to, uh, to do that. Look at that. Look who's hot. Look who's not so far after week one of college football in the SEC. So beautiful day here in Auburn, Alabama. Got a lot to talk about. Would love for you to be a part of the show today at the number 334-321-1390. That number again, 334 334- 321-1390. What's on your mind here on a Wednesday afternoon? What do you want to talk about? Are you uh, concerned with the injury for Auburn? If you haven't heard about it yet, we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, we'll talk about that, plus some of the limited notes we got to see yesterday from practice for Auburn football. Nothing super crazy, but do want to talk about it. And so, uh, what's on your mind on a Wednesday afternoon? I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Anything in particular uh, that you want to hear from uh, from Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 or Austin Hannon of Bama Central? If you call in, give me some questions or maybe some topics that you are uh, interested in hearing about and getting updated on when it comes to Georgia and Alabama. Give me a call. I'll write them down and do my best to get it to those guys when they join us on the phone lines. Of course, Alabama playing in probably the biggest game of the weekend uh, when Texas comes to Tuscaloosa College Game Day will be there. Uh, they play before Auburn, so you get a chance to uh, to watch that game and, and keep up with that before Auburn kicks off against Cal on Saturday. So uh, what are your thoughts on that, and, and what are your uh, rankings for the SEC teams after Week 1 has concluded? 334-321-1390. Should be a great show, and let's jump right into it. 
the news today from Auburn football. Uh, We got to see practice yesterday for Auburn. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But Hugh Freeze in his weekly SEC teleconference, uh, press conference, all 14 SEC coaches hop on a a Zoom call and they do basically a, a press conference with anybody in SEC media that wants to jump on. And he did give an update on on one Auburn player that is out indefinitely with a thumb injury, and it's Auburn linebacker Austin Keys. Um, said that he uh, suffered a thumb injury in Game One versus UMass. Austin Keys did, and he has undergone surgery. And he said that he is out a while. Is the quote from Hugh Freeze about Austin Keys and of course um, I talked last week about Auburn having depth at the linebacker spot and here we are just one week in and Auburn's down a linebacker for the foreseeable future so I hate to see that and hate to hear that about Austin Keys and you look at this linebacker room for Auburn a guy like Austin Keys who was a big part of uh, of the performance on Saturday. Had two total tackles, had a sack, or uh, excuse me, no, he did not. He had two total tackles, and, and, and one of those was solo, did Austin Keys. But he played some of the most snaps out of the linebackers uh, on Saturday when you compare the snaps. I think he played uh, 17 snaps, I believe, on Saturday on defense on the linebacker spot. So that's a big loss for Auburn because now when you look at the linebacker room a room that had depth it still does but Austin Keys is a big loss there because you look at guys to Larry Nixon Eugene Asante Cam Riley now they have to step up even more and get even more playing time and make even more plays right and then who is another linebacker that can step in there and make a play right who's another linebacker that can fill the hole could it be somebody like Wesley Steiner who doesn't see a ton of action early this season but maybe he has to step up and seize the field more right that's where there is some concern especially when you're going on the road at Cal in a game where you're coming off of a game where the linebackers didn't perform all that well let's just be honest let's just call it what it is the linebackers did not perform to their capability, in my opinion. I think they were a bit slow on decision-making. I think they were a bit slow on reaction time in in making the right call, making the right play. Uh, You heard Hugh Freeze talk about on Monday about alignment issues, and we know that a lot of the alignment comes from communication which comes from that jack-slash-linebacker spot. And if that was not happening correctly on Saturday, that's why people were not lined up properly. So I think for for this situation, um, with Austin Keys being injured, it is, it's a big deal for Auburn. And you still have the jack guys, right? You still have Steven Sings. You still have Elijah McAllister. And we're hoping to get Jalen McLeod into the ballgame this weekend, right? He was, uh, I believe he was dressed out on Saturday, but didn't play. Auburn is hoping to get him back this weekend, but you lose a linebacker early. 
And and I think it's tough for Auburn. You got to find a way. Who's going to be your communicators? Who's going to be your leaders? Um, and with Austin Keys out for a while, out indefinitely with a thumb injury, uh, Auburn's got to find a way to make up for that. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, man. I just had a question about the linebacker. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, I've seen them, a linebacker play with a cast on, on their hand if it's not a significant injury. Is that, is that not an option for, for a thumb in, injury? I mean, I guess technically it could. Um, yeah, I've, you've seen guys before play with like the club on their hand, right? Where they just wrap up. The, yeah, they wrap up their whole hand, and 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 I've seen guys take it, use it to their advantage, and smack guys with it uh, across the the arms to get to get around. Um, I'm sure that's taken into consideration, and maybe that's an option to to get him on the field quicker, Shane. But yeah. I mean, if you just had surgery on it and you don't want to go out and try to play, you know, high level football less than a week away from from a surgery but yeah that may be an option in a couple of weeks if it heals you know if he does the right things and it heals well yeah he may be able to wrap that thing up and put a cast or something on it and try to get back on the field well that just means that we have to score i think it's going to be a high scoring game to be honest i think i think our running backs um i think both sides running backs are gonna are gonna probably have a a good good day Mm -hmm. um so um, maybe it's just going to come down to who can get a couple stops. Um, and, I mean, we're not thin there, are we? What's that? We're not thin on on the on the with linebackers, are we? No, I wouldn't say Auburn is necessarily thin. I mean, they've had depth coming into the year. You still got guys like Eugene Asante and Cam Riley and Larry Nixon and, and Robert Woodyard, who is a redshirt freshman. But you also have the Jack position as well, which is your you know sort of a flex linebacker, if you will, with Elijah McAllister, Stephen Sings, Jalen McLeod, hopefully. So you do have guys there, but you lose a guy in Austin Keys who played the second most snaps on Saturday. So you got to take that in consideration. Well, and I, I think though, um, I think you know we didn't play some of the players as much on on purpose. So, so maybe that was you know, maybe it's not as detrimental as, as we're thinking because you know we're not we're not showing all of our our guys and 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 right now for for UMass. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know. I just a thought. Yeah. No, I appreciate the call, Shane. It's great to hear from you. Hey, yep. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Look. Auburn is Auburn is okay at the linebacker spot. Their performance on Saturday against UMass was not impressive. It was not overly impressive. Um, they got better as the game went on, but there are some things that have to be fixed. I think physicality has to be fixed. I think communication. I talked about that before Shane got on here. Uh, talked about the communication has to be fixed, and the decision making has to be fixed as well. And so. Losing one guy, no, is not going to just destroy you, right? It's not just going to – this isn't like years past, like I've joked about, where if one linebacker went down, Auburn was actually doomed. Um, They're they're not in that situation right now. But losing Austin Keys is a big deal. Don't get me wrong. That is a big deal. He is an impact player on defense in that room. And you will be able to feel – his presence not on the field this Saturday. I'm just going to tell you, that's a big deal. But maybe, like Shane said, maybe, yeah, down the road in the next few weeks if it's start, if the thumb is starting to heal a little bit, um, maybe he can put a cast on there or put a club. Uh, I think we saw 
You've seen guys do that in the pros a lot. Um, you've seen guys do it in college as well. And so, yeah, maybe that is an option uh, for him to be able to wrap it up and, and try to play. Uh, probably not this weekend and probably not against Sanford, but maybe against Texas A&M. I'm not sure. I don't really know what the what the stat, the true status is of Austin Keys, but the, the quote from Hugh Freeze was out for a while. So we'll see what that's like. Let's get back to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And Mike, you're on the line. What's up? How's it going, man? I'm doing well, man. What's on your mind? Oh, just getting ready to head out more tomorrow to the bowl game. Oh, you're going out to Cal? Yeah, me and my son, he's coming from Ohio. We're going to meet out there. Okay, where's he's, where he's, I, he's, he's never been there. It's a... That's a beautiful part of the country, man. Yeah, I've, I've actually never been out to Cal myself. Let me ask you this, Mike. Where's your son from in Ohio? Uh, Toledo. Okay. He works, for, he works for BP Husky there. Okay, I grew up in Dayton for about nine years, man. Yeah, he um he works at a refinery there. He's an engineer there. He went to school at Auburn. Oh, okay. Okay, excellent. Well, that's that's going to be awesome. So you guys are flying out to Cal and, and staying for the weekend and taking in the ball game, huh? Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to meet him out there. and uh, um, I tell you, um, I watched the um, replay of, of, of Cal's game last night. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm worried about that running back for them. He is a tough runner. Yeah, Jaden Ott. He's an NFL a, running back. He is. He is very, very talented, Jaden Ott. He is. He's elusive. He is fast. He's physical. Um, and and he is. He is going to be a weapon for Cal, not just Saturday, but all season long. And I'm I'm worried about the 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 flight out and that late game high in the world. We drew a nine thirty game. I have no idea. That, that's usually reserved for New Mexico State and people. Yeah, yeah. That's usually you know that's usually for two West Coast teams, right? For two Western teams that are used to playing in that time slot. Um, and Hugh Freeze talked about it on Monday, Mike. He's not happy about the trip, and I guarantee he's not happy about the game time. Oh, I guarantee you, nobody's happy about that game time. Mm-mm. No, fans aren't happy about it either. Here in Auburn, I mean, you got to stay up till. It's going to be one o'clock in the morning before that game's over. Yes, but um, I'm just hoping that uh, we can gener- generate enough offense to beat them. Yeah, and because they gonna score, and um, it just bothers. I, I, I just don't like that time slot. Uh, you know, um. Nine thirty at night. That 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 that's just awful. And 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 you and the players' bodies are trying to adjust. See, I worked in Alaska for thirty years. Okay. And it took it took me a few days every time I went to the oil fields for my body to adjust to the time zone difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it did. And, and you know. It, it's going to be a factor. There is absolutely no doubt about that, Mike. It's going to be a factor, but here's where here's where I'll push back just a little bit. Yes, it's late. It's going to be 9.30, but these guys are going to get to the stadium at 6 or 7 o'clock. They're going to go through their routine, go through their warm-ups, right, get pumped up, and you're going to have so much adrenaline rush, right, because it is a big-time football game to where I don't think the start time is going to be anything super, super crazy. Here's what does worry me, though, is the jet lag flying out like that whole process of getting out there that worries me more than the 9 30 kickoff time if you're asking me 
Well, me too. See, um, it, it was always out of Atlanta, a ten and a half hour flight on the red eye from Atlanta to Anchorage, Alaska. Mm-hmm. That is a long time. Yeah, that's a, that's a long flight. Yes, it is. That's a long flight. And uh, and it seemed like um, I think they're going out tomorrow too, right? To Correct. Ten? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're flying out uh, Thursday. Yeah, tomorrow evening. Going to get out there tomorrow night. And and Hugh Free said the plan is to fly out tomorrow, get there, and basically go to bed. He did say today, however, he said when he found out the kickoff time, he wanted to move the flight to Friday. But the plane that the team is using is actually being used by an NFL team on Friday, and so that's why Auburn's having to fly out Thursday night. Oh, okay. Because I'm leaving at one tomorrow. And um, get on out, and um, cause I got some friends who live out there that I work with. Okay, but um, but no, it's it's going to um, who do who do you really think is going to be our starting running back for Saturday for Auburn? Yes, it's a good question. Honestly, it's a good question. I, I know that Jarquez is still. I mean, he's on the depth I'm chart. He's there, him but to get back is what I'm waiting on. Yeah, and and, I, and, I, and, he, and he'll have an impact on the game. Oh, he will if he's there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he if Jarquez is playing, then yeah, he'll be your starting running back, and and he'll he will have a huge impact on the game, and that will give Auburn an even bigger step up because you have him and Demari Alston and Brian Batie and Jeremiah Cobb and Sean Jackson, but. Even if Jarquez doesn't play, I still think Auburn has those other four guys that have already proven they're really, really special. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking my call, man. And um, y'all have a good one. And um, look, look, look for me in that crowd up there. I'll be wearing, I'll be wearing the, the, uh, the orange and blue. All right, man. We'll be looking for you. Hey, we appreciate the call, Mike. And, and thanks for calling in. And safe travels to you uh, and your son as well, flying out to Cal. I'm interested. How many other people are going to Cal? Because I, I've seen and heard quite a few people that are going whether they're going to cover the game i know there's a big group of auburn media going to cover the game there's a ton of fans going to the game our good friend jack hudden's going to the game um so if you're going send me a tweet or or, or call us in i'd love to hear from you and then of course next week i want to hear about these trips as well and so mike we appreciate the call shane appreciate you calling in as well we'd love to hear from anybody else 334-321-1390 we'll talk more auburn football plus question of the day when we come back here on the wednesday edition of on the On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067 for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Thanks to Shane and Mike calling in on that last segment. And we'd love to hear uh, from you as well. 334-321-1390 as we get closer to uh, Saturday we get closer to week two of college football and of course that means Auburn and Cal Uh, like I said I've heard and seen from a lot of people that are going to the game out in California making it a trip I know it's one of those it's a unique road trip for Auburn football um, one that we probably won't see again I mean maybe in our lifetimes I mean it's just one of those where Auburn doesn't play Cal (laughs) like even being in the Pac-12 or if they move to the ACC whatever the case may be I mean regular season it's going to be a long time before Auburn makes a trip like this again so if you're going out there 
safe travels take advantage of it i'm excited for everybody getting to go and excited to see the pictures and 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 hear the stories from uh from that trip out to cal but how are you feeling right how are fans feeling about this auburn and cal game we got the news today of austin keys the linebacker who was out indefinitely uh, with a thumb injury that he suffered in the game against umass and he had surgery on it so he is out all right he is not playing um but a couple of other injury notes that we were able to uh, kind of report on yesterday from practice auburn um uh, look auburn hoping and maybe praying i don't know trying to get a couple of guys back Nehemiah Pritchett is the big one the starting corner for Auburn when he's healthy he's your starting corner and Nehemiah Pritchett he was practicing yesterday I think he will play um, on Saturday uh, you look at a guy like JD Rim back there as well at corner um, hoping to get him back not sure exactly what his status is uh, Nick Mardner on the receiving core watched him practice yesterday he looks better he looks like he's getting healthier about a week or so ago we watched him at practice and he was still a little slow still just kind of being careful um, with his with his ankle injury uh, Auburn hoping to get him back he's a, a very tall weapon for Auburn um, and then uh, Jalen McLeod, I mentioned him already, uh, hoping to maybe get him back on Saturday. He dressed on this past game against UMass, but uh, didn't didn't play. And so hopefully Auburn can use guys like Jalen McLeod in in that group to make up for Austin Keys. And then if you do end up getting back Nehemiah Pritchett and J.D. Rim, that can help you lock down even more your secondary. And that's the thing. I don't think Cal is going to throw the football a ton I think they're going to try but then I think they're going to find out that you just don't throw the ball on this Auburn defense very much and we all know that Cal can run the ball but everybody's trying to figure out a few things right now as we get closer and closer to Saturday Auburn versus California we're still trying to figure out is Cal better than we thought or did they take advantage of a bad North Texas team like I, I think we're all truly trying to figure that out and I think it's a mixture of both I think Cal is a talented team I don't think they're a good team but I think they're talented and they returned we talked about this in the offseason they returned almost everybody off their squad last year I don't care that they were a bad team last year because they were when you return everybody yes that you're returning a bad team but you're also returning an experienced team And I think that's what you saw in game one versus North Texas for them. It's going to be a different animal when they have to play Auburn on Saturday. And no, they're not going to rush for 500 yards. And Jaden Ott's not going to have an absolute field day. But he is going to be an impact. And he is going to have a hand in what Cal does offensively. But everybody's focusing on what can Auburn do to stop Cal. Here's my question. What can Cal do to stop Auburn because Auburn looked good offensively and they didn't show a whole lot against UMass and if Jarquez Hunter does play and I don't know the status of that I'll be 100% transparent with you I don't know what the status is on that and 99.9% of people don't so for now I'm going to talk about it like he's not going to play and until he proves us otherwise until Auburn proves us otherwise then fine But even without him, Damari Alston, Jeremiah Cobb, 
Brian Battee, and Sean Jackson when you need him. You have those guys who have already proven that they're going to be special in the running back room. Your offensive line bullied a UMass team on Saturday. They are going to bully a Cal team this coming Saturday. And if Peyton Thorne can figure a few things out on his decision-making, timing with receivers, he has a chance to pick apart the Cal defense. And oh yeah, don't forget about Robbie Ashford, who had three rushing touchdowns and one half of football, who is your X-factor, your ace up the sleeve, if you will, for what Auburn wants to do offensively. So sure, it is a big question mark on what Auburn defensively is going to do to stop Cal's offense because they look good against North Texas. But what is Cal going to do to stop that Auburn offense we saw in week one where they can throw it, they can run it, and pretty much do whatever they want? That is what the question is going to Saturday. Hopefully Auburn gets some of the injury things worked out. Of course, Austin Keys will not be playing with the thumb injury. But some of those other guys that I named, hopefully you get them back. And at the end of the day, Auburn out-talents Cal at every position, at every spot on the field. Remember that when Auburn takes the field on Saturday. When we come back, we'll talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. We'll get updates on the Georgia Bulldogs as they get ready for week two as the number one team in the country. We'll talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 when we come back. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back, and it's Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 1067 as we welcome in Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He joins me every Wednesday at 2.30. Jordan, hope you're doing well, man. College football season off and running, and I know it's a uh, busy time for you as it is every single week during football season. Definitely, and uh, nice to uh, get a week one under our belts. A lot like the players, you know, get get a few of the the miscues out of our system, learning, going back and watching the tape, and getting ready for a more productive week two. Well, let's talk about Georgia in week one. The Georgia Bulldogs, of course, the team you cover uh, better than anybody. Uh, Georgia, number one team in the country, 48-7 to win over UT Martin. The Skyhawks of UT Martin came to Sanford Stadium late Saturday afternoon. Georgia gets a 48-7 to victory. Uh, Jordan, before I start asking details, just your, your breakdown and takeaways from Georgia's opening game win in 2023. You know, generally a pretty slow start for Georgia, only seven points in the first quarter. Kind of felt like, you know, with Carson Beck making his first start, I think it did take him a little while to settle in, which we had a chance to talk to him after the game, and he admitted as much. He felt like by the second quarter he was settled in, but thought he played pretty well on the whole, 294 passing yards, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, and probably the thing that Kirby Smart cares about the most, no turnovers. Did a very good job of holding on to the football, and and managing things. On the whole, it was kind of a ho-hum first game, which you would expect with a team like Georgia playing an FCS opponent to start. It uh, looked like they were going to get a shutout until uh, about seven minutes left in the game. UT Martin was able to find the end zone on the pass. But 
I think everything went about as well as Georgia could have expected. You know, it wasn't anything too over the top or, uh, you know, not a ton of uh, records falling or anything like that. But they got the job done. From what we can tell, came out of that game pretty healthy. Uh, had a chance to sit some guys who have been banged up, which should help them going forward. I would say game one was a success for Georgia, um, but definitely a lot of things they want to clean up before they get to week two. 559 total yards for Georgia on Saturday. No turnovers. I'm sure Kirby Smart uh, was excited and pleased with that. What has Kirby said about that week one performance? I know uh, you mentioned Carson Beck. We'll get to him in just a minute. But what has Kirby Smart said about And what did he say Saturday, I guess, about the win over UT Martin? You know, I think on the whole he was pleased. He said that he was pleased with how the players went through that game and sort of how they showed up and showed up ready to play. You know, the biggest thing has been uh, trying to get a little bit healthier. Lab McConkey did not play in that game. Dejan Edwards, who I think has had a real chance to be Georgia's leading rusher this year, he did not play in that game. Kendall Milton did play one of the running backs who's been banged up, uh, but admittedly was not 100%. So uh, I think all in all, you look at that game, I think Kirby was pleased. Uh, one, that they won the way they did, took care of the football, for the most part tackled pretty well in that game. Uh, but understanding that they did not have all their starters out there and uh, it's been something we've watched really closely this week based on what we've heard so far. Seem like things are trending in the right direction with the health of some of those guys I just mentioned. Um, and now it's kind of the question of do you play those guys against Ball State or do you give them another week and get ready for a big game in week three against South Carolina. But on the whole, I think Kirby was pleased. Definitely not satisfied because if you've ever listened to Kirby Smart, he very rarely is because he uh, is always looking for improvement, which is just the nature of a coach. But I think on the whole, he was pleased with how everybody played and uh, how they got the job done in week one. What are the updates on those guys, Jordan, on their health? I know you, you talk in a couple of running backs. That was a concern coming into the season. And so uh, what are what are the updates on some of those guys as Georgia prepares for Ball State? Yeah, Dejan Edwards, who did not play against UT Martin, he's out of a non-contact jersey at practice. Uh, seems to be doing well. He's been dealing with an MCL injury. I think he'll be available Saturday, and sort of what I just hit on, it may be their decision not to play him, just looking for the long term, maybe give him another week. But I think he will play on Saturday. Kendall Milton, I asked Kirby today on the coaches' teleconference, basically how he had responded to getting in that game against UT Martin. He had, he had a number of carries in that game, uh, and Kirby said his Tuesday practice was the best that Kendall has looked in quite some time. So things are looking promising there. Biggest thing seems to be building up his stamina, getting ready uh, for the long haul. Lad McConkey, uh, he has not been in practice the last few days, uh, but it's been running on air. I think on the whole that his prognosis is optimistic. We'll have to see uh, come game day if he is able to actually play. He uh, was out there with them on Saturday, wound up not going through warm-ups uh, and just watched. And uh, I think that on the whole, Georgia fans shouldn't worry about Ladd. I think they're just being really smart. He's been dealing with back spasms. Uh, I think they want to make sure that they don't put him in a situation where he makes the situation worse. Uh, and then really the only other injury to watch uh, of note, Smile Munden played a few snaps in that season opener. He's been dealing with a foot injury. But uh, Kirby's been talking him up. Sounds like he's done really well. Uh, trying to kind of get in shape in the season after missing a good chunk uh, of fall camp and being limited. Uh, so I think on the whole, when you look at this team, they are pretty banged up for it to be only week two, um, but they are making progress in the right direction, and I don't think it's anything Georgia fans worry about. 
Well, one thing that helps them, even if you are banged up early, you played UT Martin week one and you have Ball State in week two. And so Georgia does have a little bit more time uh, to get those guys healthy before South Carolina comes to town next week. Talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, who joins us every Wednesday here on Rivalry Wednesday during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Jordan, talk about Carson Beck. It was his first start as a Bulldog uh, in college football. Uh, had what was seemed to be a pretty impressive day. Went 21 of 31, 294 through the air with a touchdown. Also ran in a touchdown as well. And so uh, your evaluation of Carson Beck's first start wearing the uh, the red and black. Yeah, it started a little slow. I don't know if it was nerves or, or what, but I thought he really settled in. And uh, I think uh, you know Georgia fans had very high expectations for him, especially given he's replacing Stetson Bennett and everything Stetson had done. But I think on the whole it was a success, and I don't think you could have really asked for much more out of that, particularly it being his first college start. But he didn't force throws. He was smart. He scrambled when he needed to. He had a really nice five-yard touchdown run uh, in the first half that uh, showed you he can move a little bit. He's no Stetson Bennett when it comes to agility, but if he needs to move, he will. Uh, I was impressed. I think there's little things that he can clean up. Uh, Nothing to really – worry about although a lot of Georgia fans were not uh, overly excited by how slow it felt like the offense started uh, again you know it came in a 48 to 7 win uh, he played pretty much three quarters he came out with about three and a half minutes to go uh, with the game very clearly in hand so I would say it was a success you know there were missed uh, opportunities here and there and I think uh, Carson admitted as much after the game but when you look at the grand scheme of things this being the first game being the first start I would say Carson uh, had a very successful debut, and it's sort of up to him and the offense around him to build on that in week two as they get ready uh, a week away from SEC play getting underway. And his favorite target, Heisman, dark horse maybe, Brock Bowers, five catches, 77 yards. Um, off to a good start. No touchdowns for him, but uh, I expect that to, to continue to grow and rise as the season goes on for Brock Bowers in Georgia, huh? Definitely, and he did have a touchdown, but he had it on the ground. They gave him a jet sweep that I think was like two or three yards. So they like getting him involved, and I'm still really protesting, trying to push for them to let him throw the ball. I don't know that he can, but there's very little he can't do, so I'd like to at least see him try. Well, he, he's just an all-around athlete, and I expect him, as everybody does, to be a massive part of this Georgia offense. Defensively, Jordan, you mentioned it uh, in your opening statement, talking about how Georgia almost pitched the shutout and gave up a late touchdown in that fourth quarter, but just so many big names on that defensive side of the football. Malachi Starks led all defensive players with eight total tackles. I mean, so many good players. NFL talent once again on the defensive side of the football. Not that they're going to be super test this weekend once again against Ball State but anything on your end that you think needs to be cleaned up defensively before South Carolina next week I think the biggest thing is just going to be their inside linebackers and part of it's what we were talking about a few minutes ago with Smile Munden Uh, I don't know that he played more than 10 snaps uh, against UT Martin as he's been working his way back from that injury Uh, but there were a few times I thought Jamon Dumas Johnson sort of got caught flat-footed I will shout out C.J. Allen, a true freshman who wound up playing more snaps than any other inside linebacker in that game. That's very, very high praise. And as Kirby talked about after the game, very hard to do for someone that young to play that much at that position. Um, Other than that, you know, I don't think there's a ton you got to really concern yourself with. I I was very intrigued by 
how much Georgia rotated in guys during that game, even early in that game, first quarter with the game still pretty close. They let a lot of different guys get reps, get a chance to play with each other, get a chance uh, to sort of work on the communication and what's going to be like if they are put into big situations, whether it be they earn starting roles or if people in front of them on the depth chart get hurt and they get thrown in and have to play. Uh, I thought they played really well, and I'll say this too, especially for the Auburn fans listening, I, I think Georgia's secondary this year has a chance to be really, really special. When you look at that UT Martin game, Malachi Starks, Javon Bullard, who's now at safety after playing star, uh, both of them played really well, and Tyke Smith, who is now playing that star position, he did an excellent job hitting on the outside. UT Martin tried to throw a lot on the perimeter, and really because of all three of those guys in the secondary, they really did not let them get anything going. Uh, so, yeah, this defense is loaded once again. A few things you want to clean up, but uh, nothing too much to worry about. And they're pretty commonplace when you're coming out of a week one game. Jordan, in the UT Martin game and this weekend coming up against Ball State, how much is Georgia holding back, right? How much is Kirby Smart and this staff not showing future opponents, including the Gamecocks coming up next week, Auburn down the road, Kentucky, what have you? How much is Georgia holding back and not showing before South Carolina in just a couple weeks? Well, I think there's a sweet balance there. I mean, you've got to be smart about how you do that. And Kirby was actually asked that today on the coaches' teleconference, and he basically said, you know, you need to use what you have because you don't want to be in a situation where, you know, say you just thought you could roll through there and all of a sudden you're losing and you're like, okay, well, now we got to use stuff we weren't really prepared to use today. I mean, I think on the whole, uh, they're not going to hold back a whole lot. I mean, I think they're going to be smart about what they show, but uh, they understand that, you know, uh, as Kirby said earlier this week, humility is a week away. You know, if you uh, try to just sleepwalk through one of these games, you can find yourself in trouble. And uh, I don't anticipate Georgia doing that, but I think on the whole they understand what they have to work with and uh, aren't going to try to hide a whole lot, but at the same time understand when and where is the right time to break out certain things. Uh, so, yeah, I think on the whole uh, they're not going to hold back a whole lot. They're going to do what they have to do. And uh, the biggest thing is if they are able to build a lead, try to get some of those other guys involved and get them prepared in case they are thrown into some big moments later in the year. Georgia taking on Ball State this weekend, 11 a.m. on the SEC Network there in Athens. Uh, Jordan, I will I'll avoid asking the question of any concern versus this, this game against Ball State. I just don't think there is any concern uh, for Georgia in winning this game. So before I let you go, your, uh, your takeaways from week one in college football, especially in the SEC where you had South Carolina uh, – pretty much get handled by North Carolina um, and some other big SEC results, LSU getting drummed by Florida State. So your takeaways from a wild week one in the SEC? Well, I'll say that I feel okay through one week with my picks of Georgia and Alabama playing the SEC title game. And I do really think highly of LSU and it actually picked them to beat Florida State. But really won't like what Alabama's got. Uh, I'll learn a whole lot more about them this week when they play Texas. But now on the whole, I thought other than those two games you mentioned, uh, a pretty pretty much what I expected from the SEC. I didn't see Florida being able to beat Utah. I think that could be a very rough situation in Gainesville this year for Billy Napier and company. But um, it was one of those things where on the whole, uh, you know, a lot of these SEC teams playing uh, lower level uh, competition took care of business. Uh, I thought Tennessee was very impressive. They're probably that three team in the SEC behind Georgia and Alabama. 
but everybody seemed to handle themselves well. Obviously, Auburn did, too, with UMass. And I will say I'm glad the Georgia game on Saturday is at noon. I am very interested to see what Auburn's able to do out there in Berkeley and uh, how they show up against a pretty talented Cal team. Well, I got to ask, what's your pick? Does Auburn get it done on the road in, in Berkeley on Saturday? I think they do, and I will say uh, I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I was impressed with the way Cal played against North Texas. I thought Cal's offense really showed up. Jake Spavital, that, uh, a guy that has coached for a long time, had been at Cal before. Uh, he's got that offense rolling. I'm picking Auburn, but I do think it's going to be a four-quarter battle, and uh, it's going to be one where I'll be done with my work for the day. I'm going to be sitting there with popcorn and seeing how this thing plays out. Well, both uh, Auburn and Georgia playing their kickoff times are just about 12 hours apart. I mean, it's just it's crazy the difference that Georgia playing Ball State uh, 11 a.m. on Saturday, Auburn playing Cal at 9.30. So it uh, should be a lot of fun on week two of the college football Saturday. Jordan Hill of Dogs 2470 joins us on Rivalry Wednesdays every single week here on ESPN 106.7. Jordan, always a blast talking to you, man. We appreciate your time each and every week. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, all your fans fantastic work and everybody over at dogs 247 definitely dogs 247.com on twitter at jordan davis hill on twitter at dogs 247 and yeah let's get it keep this thing rolling go through another week uh, with the ball state game and uh, then welcome sec play next week well we'll preview that georgia south carolina game this time next week jordan thanks so much all right appreciate it jacob that's Jordan Hill of Dogs247. Go check him out at dogs247.com. Follow him on Twitter. Um, look, I, I say it all the time. I have him on, and I have Austin Hannon of Bama Central coming up in hour number two. I have them on my show because it's important for you, the Auburn fan, to know what's happening in Athens and know what's happening in Tuscaloosa. And I genuinely think you care, and I care. And so it's always fun to have them on. Uh, he does a wonderful, wonderful job, does Jordan Hill, covering Georgia football, covering Georgia athletics. And so go check him out. Uh, if you're subscribed to the Auburn 247 site, you get the Dogs 247 website as well. It's all one big subscription. So go check it out. Uh, he does a fantastic job there over in Athens. We'll come back, wrap up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. Uh, thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs247 who joins us every Wednesday here for Rivalry Wednesday during On the Line on ESPN 1067. Um, here's the thing about Georgia. They're playing Ball State. Play somebody good. They're playing UT Martin Week 1 and Ball State Week 2. Like, if you're a Georgia fan, are you bored already? <laughs> like, are you bored already? There's no shot you're excited about your game on Saturday. It's Ball State at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. That's not exciting at all. Georgia is a 42-point favorite on Saturday. So, whatever. They play Ball State, and then uh, they do have South Carolina coming in next weekend. But how much has that game, in your mind, has that game depreciated because of what happened to the Gamecocks in week one against North Carolina? Does that game mean less now? Is it going to be hyped up as much? It probably will. But I'm curious to see how South Carolina bounces back. How do they respond after 
getting beat and really getting handled by North Carolina in that second half in week one before they go and play Georgia in week three. South Carolina has Furman this weekend. It's a night game there in South Carolina, so they should be able to get back on track. But I'm curious to see how they respond and bounce back when they have to take a trip to Athens in week three. So Georgia should uh, be fine, get off and running. Sounds like they've still got some injury problems over there, though. Uh, Carson Beck had a an impressive opening game, if you will. Had a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown. Uh, they got Brock Bowers involved with the, with the shovel pass, as Jordan mentioned, for a touchdown. And he brings up, the secondary for Georgia, how he thinks they are going to be one of the best in the conference, maybe one of the best in the country uh, if they keep performing the way that they're expected to perform. Um, And uh, I think they're going to be right up there with Auburn, or you could say Auburn's going to be right up there with Georgia, however you want to word that. Um, I think Georgia's got some dudes there, but they have injury problems, and so they've got to get those figured out. We we have looked at Georgia's schedule. It is easy. It's a cakewalk. Uh, I'm not saying that because Jordan's not here anymore. He knows that. We all know that. Georgia's schedule is a cakewalk. So as long as Carson Beck plays well and the defense can continue to be locked down and they get healthier as the year goes on, yeah, Georgia's going to be right there. They're going to be right there because they play four straight home games, including South Carolina UAB. They do come to Auburn. Then they're back home versus Kentucky. You have Florida neutral site, Ole Miss at home, at Tennessee, and at Georgia Tech. You play what seems to be right now two tough games at Auburn and at Tennessee. Because again, I think the South Carolina loss has depreciated already. Florida's a terrible team. And your other tough game is Kentucky, and you get it at home. I don't know, man. Georgia's going to be good, but how good will they truly be? It may be the SEC championship game before we truly find out. Hour number one in the book. Stay tuned. We'll have hour number two coming up when we come back. Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us at 3.30 to talk about Alabama and their impressive week one victory over Middle Tennessee, plus the game of the week as the Texas Longhorns come to town. Plus, we'll give our or my power rankings for SEC teams coming out of week one. Look at the AP Top 25. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two coming up. is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast after the show today. 
You can find it uh, one of two ways, ESPNAU.com. Just click on the podcast center. It'll be posted commercial-free right after the show today, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Talked about uh, what we saw at Auburn's practice yesterday. Got some injury updates for you as well. As Auburn gets ready to uh, head out to California tomorrow, a big injury update in the linebacker room. Uh, We talked about that in that first hour. Plus, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 uh, joined us on the phone lines as he does every Wednesday here on Rivalry Wednesday as he talked about the Georgia Bulldogs and their win over UT Martin as they prepare for Ball State this Saturday at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. So he gave us some injury updates on Georgia as well. So be sure you go and check that out because while they're going to roll again this weekend, They've still got some things they got to figure out and definitely got to get healthy before South Carolina next week. So go check that out, ESPNAU.com, right after the show today. Here's what's coming up in hour number two. We're about to get to the phone lines, and then we'll talk a little Auburn football some more, uh, look at some power rankings if we have time, and then Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us at 3.30 on the phone lines to talk Alabama and get you ready for the matchup between the Crimson Tide and the Texas Longhorns. But until then, phone lines are open. Would love to hear from you on a Wednesday afternoon. What's your thoughts? What's your opinion? Uh, What do you want to talk about here on a Wednesday afternoon? 334-321-1390. We can talk Auburn Cow. We can talk SEC. We can talk college football. If you really want to talk NFL that starts tomorrow, you're more than welcome to call in and talk about that as well. 334-321-1390. We will get to the phone lines. Former intern Graham joining us on the phone lines. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going. We're talking. It's football season now. I know you were here in the summer, but it's football season now, man. Yeah, good, man. And I'm I'm excited to have it around. You know, it gives gives me something to do to hang out with my buddies and whatnot. Uh, so my question is is more of a college football general question. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed, or and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, is you know, with the transfer stuff going so crazy, and even a lot of these good quarterbacks going to the NFL. Uh, I guess I just took. I was kind of interested in what your thoughts were on some of these, you know, young guys stepping up to play quarterback or these guys transferring here. You know, I watched the Notre Dame guy who I believe was from Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. He's looking good. Uh, The former Clemson guys over at Oregon State. And, you know, then you had some guys struggling. You know, Ohio State, my team, you know, didn't necessarily look great in the quarterback position. I think they're still trying to figure it out a little. Uh, Klubnik over at Clemson, you know, clearly struggled. So I was just curious to kind of what your thoughts were with with some of that going on. Yeah, I mean, we we know that college football is is turning into a borderline free agency when it comes to uh, comes to the transfer portal. I mean, look at Auburn, right? Auburn went and got a, a transfer portal quarterback because they didn't trust the quarterback room. Alabama did the exact same thing, and those are two completely different stories, right, Graham? Because you look at what Auburn did. Peyton Thorne came in from Michigan State, and he's now your starter here on the Plains, whereas Tyler Buckner came from Notre Dame, and he's third string at Alabama. So um, it's just totally different situations there, but yeah, you see transfer quarterbacks all over the place. You brought up multiple ones. DJU out at Oregon State. You've got uh, Drake May, who almost transferred from North Carolina, but stayed there with the Tar Heels, and he lit it up in week one and defeated uh, South Carolina. So yeah, I think with, with transfer portal quarterbacks, it's always going to happen, and um, you can always see some new faces and new names and new places, and um, teams have to use that and take advantage of that, and that's why you saw Clemson on Monday night struggle because Dabo Sweeney refuses to buy into NIL and transfer portal, which still just baffles me. 
Right, well, and, and your guy, you know, I guess he was a year prior, but, you know, Bo Nix over in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A huge, a huge transfer that's been really successful in the Pac-12. And so, I don't know, I guess I was just interested on kind of what your thoughts were. You know, I just think it's – I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. I think it grows the game in the sense that, you know, some of these teams are, are building and whatnot. But on the other hand, you know, it makes it seem a little more, I guess, pro-style, right, where people are – I'm not happy, I want to leave, versus back in the day where you just, you know, settled down, did your work, did your time. So I mm-hmm. just think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, and you got to think too, Graham, where college coaches are now, no matter what the position, whether it be quarterback or running back, safety or linebacker, whatever it may be, you are having to always constantly recruit your own team and you're also having to use players it's funny you bring this up because Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 was actually talking about this a little bit in the first hour where you have to use these guys and you have to use them effectively and and make sure that they feel like they are a part of the team and that they are a part of a winning culture and that you actually need them because in today's world of college football, if a player doesn't feel like he's being used properly or is not needed at this program, he'll hit the portal and he'll be gone by tomorrow if you don't use him right. So it's just a wild scene that we're seeing in college athletics now where you just have to use a player in so many different ways and make them feel comfortable before they leave. Do you see this as as a positive? I guess I kind of threw both sides out, right? Do you, do you like, I guess, where this is going in college football with, with all that? Or do you think that, you know, it's going to kind of soil it to an extent? I don't. I, I mean, I, I've said that it's going the way. Here's the problem. The, the way that NIL and Transfer Portal all happened, I don't like how it happened. I, I agree that these things should exist, right? Transfer portal, you should have the option to leave if you want to. There needs to be limitations on that, um, and that's a whole conversation. NIL is the same way. Uh, we know how the NCAA just said no, 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 and then opened the floodgates and said, here we go, and all the state laws got involved. So how all of that got started and the fact that there were little to no regulations and everything's just out of control, um, you, you said it already, it's very pro-style free agency wide open and that's what college football is becoming to keep it on the football side of things it's becoming professional football and I think eventually you will have you will have payments you will have contracts you will have all of those things and so no I don't like where it's going because it ruins the the integrity of college football and the separation that once was there between college football and professional football that gap continues to close and eventually they're going to borderline be the same thing. I agree. Well, and, you know, I agree with you in the sense because, you know, me, I, I'm a, a college wrestler myself. I can't speak as much for football, but at least, you know, for sure on the wrestling standpoint, it makes it that a lot of times these be- these good teams are just getting better and it's not giving some of these other teams a chance with NIL and stuff because Alabama and Ohio State and teams like that are the ones that can go out and they have the money to get these mm-hmm. higher guys that want to, you know, the higher talented dudes that want to uh, transfer as opposed to leaving one big program and going somewhere small and helping build, it's like, here, well, we have way more to give you. So, the, you know, the better teams are continuing to benefit, and then those middle to lower teams are just not being able to grow. But yeah. I think on the flip side of that, look at what Colorado did last weekend, right? They went and wiped out a completely – brought in a brand-new team, transfer portal. NIL is still being built there in Colorado, and they brought in all-new talent, and they beat TCU over the weekend. So I think that's a good way, a good pushback there as well. But I get what you're saying, uh, especially outside of football. I think that can happen for sure. 
Well, and yeah, and uh, I mean, part of it is they have, you know, Deion Sanders as their coach. So, you know, and he would, you know, he was one of those big names. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that could possibly be an anomaly in a sense. Um, But I get what you're saying. And I mean, I I hope there's a few other instances of that. I'd like to see some of those, you know, mid-tier level teams or even, you know, Colorado was bad last year. Um, But having some of those teams being able to use this to their advantage, I'd like to see that. I think that, if anything, that would be the positive of, all these new changes yeah i think so and really time's going to tell if that is truly is it going to bring the lower teams and lower programs up back to reality or is it like you said is it going to be the rich get richer i don't know i think time is still on the table there and we have to find out what happens all righty well that's all i got for you. i appreciate you talking to me enjoy uh listening to the show man yeah man miss you man hope you're doing well appreciate the call yep that's Graham, former former intern, joining us on the phone lines up in Ohio. Wanted to call in, talk a little football. I'm glad he did. And so, always good to hear from a good friend. 334-321-1390. I would love to hear from you. Your thoughts on maybe that conversation or start getting some thoughts and picks for Auburn versus Cal. Maybe some other games going on in college football in week two. And that's where I kind of want to go here uh, for the next 20 minutes or so before we get to Austin Hannon at the bottom of the hour. Since it's Wednesday, it's time to start looking towards week two, right? Because there are some good games this weekend. Again, it's not the most exciting weekend of college football, but there are some good matchups and there are some intriguing games that I think will have huge impacts on conference races, college football playoff implications. I think there's some big ones this weekend. And so when you start looking at some of these games, Um, The obvious one, Alabama-Texas. We're going to talk about that with Austin Hannon coming up in a little bit um, and get his thoughts on what that game could be. Is the confidence for Alabama, is it through the roof now after week one? I mean, I talked about that yesterday where it seemed like it was doom and gloom going into Middle Tennessee, and one great game later, everybody's putting their money on Alabama once again to win the national championship. So I said slow down a little bit on that, but interested to see uh, what Austin has to say coming up in just a little bit. But you look around college football coming up in week two, had some big results in week one, some surprises in week one, and maybe some, some reality checks in week one, looking at you, LSU, looking at you, Clemson, looking at you, South Carolina, right? Those teams got humbled and got a reality check in week one. But when you look at week two and you look at the slate, and we'll make our picks later on in the week as we get closer to Saturday, Auburn Cow is a huge one, right? It's not going to get the, the media attention that other games will, but this is a, a, a very important game for Auburn. And look, of course, we like to look at it from the Auburn perspective being here on the Plains, but look at this in the eyes of Cal. Look at how big of a game this is for the Golden Bears. Look how big of an opportunity this is for Cal to be hosting an SEC squad. Sure, it's an SEC squad that's been down over the last few years, but historical, you could say Auburn is a top 15, top 20 program in college football. And they are coming to Cal on their home turf to play. And these two programs are meeting for the first time. This is a massive moment for those fans, for that program. If they were to pull out a win, what would that mean for them? Uh, I don't know. Because their future is up in the air when it comes to what conference they're going to play in and what opponents they're going to play and how much money they're going to have and be receiving and all of that. Right? We know 
the the chaoticness of what Cal's football future is with the conferences and money and all that. But just looking at the game itself from a California perspective, it's a huge opportunity for them. And so you better be ready or you better believe that they are going to be ready for when Auburn comes to town. So that's a big and interesting game. How about Vanderbilt and Wake Forest? And yes, I said it. Vanderbilt and Wake Forest. Vanderbilt's 2-0 in case you forgot. They had that week one win or week zero win, I should say. Then they won in week one. Think about if Vanderbilt goes on the road to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and somehow beats a Wake Forest team that I don't think is all that great. They're good, but they're not great. That would be a 3-0 start for Vanderbilt, which would also mean they're halfway to that bowl eligibility that I said they're going to get to. You look up and down the schedule, number 10, Notre Dame, they're 2-0. Sam Hartman getting Heisman hopes, right? Heisman buzz, if you will. On the road, at NC State, a North Carolina State team that, no, they're not as good as they have been in the past. Notre Dame's a touchdown favorite right now. But we've already talked about how Notre Dame can be one of those playoff busters, right? They can be a chaotic team this season because they play all of the biggest teams in college football from multiple different conferences, Ohio State, Duke, USC, and Clemson. Those are big-time programs that are going to be making a push near the end of the season to win their conference or maybe even make a college football playoff so what happens if Notre Dame takes a loss this this weekend and they're two and three lost teams and they're taking down these other big teams I mean that that is a crazy situation there with Notre Dame I hate the fact that Utah is going on the road to Baylor because this would have been a really good game but Baylor losing in week one in embarrassing fashion I mean a game that Baylor just can't lose credit to Texas State though I don't think we've talked about it yet on this program. It was a perfect time to do it before we get to break. Credit to Texas State. They went on the road to Baylor, to Waco. And they came out 1-0 with a double-digit win, 42-31. to And in case you haven't heard about this yet, do you know who's playing quarterback for Texas State? The one and only T.J. Finley, who went 22-30 of in Week 1 for 300 yards and three touchdowns on the road at Baylor and took his team there and won by double digits. I don't care what your opinion is of him. I don't care what your thoughts are on him and his time at Auburn on and off the field. I don't care. He transferred to Texas State and took that team to Baylor and beat them by double digits. You can't say anything else about it. I don't care how bad Baylor is. Texas State's not good. And we know what T.J. Finley was when he was at Auburn. But all of a sudden, he goes to another school and he lights it up in his first game. Credit to him, man. Credit to him. Texas State, the Bobcats go and beat Baylor in week one. And what's unfortunate is now the Baylor-Utah game has been washed away because Utah's a really good team. And if Baylor plays like they did against Texas State, Utah's going to wipe the floor with them. It was a big game in week two, but I just don't think it is anymore. We'll look at some more Week 2 matchups coming up when we come back before Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. 
We've got something we got to talk about here for just a second. We were going to keep looking through week two scores in college football, or not scores, but games coming up in college football week two. But I just came across a quote that Cal's running back, I think Cal had some media availability today. I was unable to hop on. I wish I could have. I just didn't have the time today. But Cal's running back, Jaden Ott, who, if you didn't see the stat or if you haven't heard us talking about it, Jaden Ott is the starting running back. He had a really good performance in week one. He ran all over North Texas. All right, he did. He ran all over him. Had unbelievable stats, unbelievable game uh, for Cal in this game. And that's why some Auburn fans and some college football fans are concerned with Auburn going on the road to North Texas. Because they ran it a lot, did Cal. They did. And here is Jaden Ott's final stats in this football game. Against North Texas in week one, he had 20 carries for 178 yards and two touchdowns. Impressive. Absolutely impressive. But here is his quote about Auburn coming to California on Saturday. Cal's running back Jaden Ott said, quote, There's a lot of focus on the name Auburn, but when I see on film is not really in comparison to what their name is. I just want to get that into my guys' heads that a name doesn't mean anything. Interesting comments there from Cal's running back, Jaden Ott. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line, man. How are you? I'm doing good. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. What's on your mind, man? Uh, uh, not a lot, though another warm day i I was gonna i don't know ed you still there well we may have lost ed we'll yeah we'll turn him off for now keep him on there well maybe he'll we'll try to try again in a few minutes we had him there and then kind of lost him so um maybe he'll i don't know he's still connected so maybe throw him back on see if we have him ed do we have you again yeah, there we go. I got you now, Ed. Yeah, I've had this happen. I'll try to make this quick because I think my phone's something's going wrong. Okay. The uh, are you still there, buddy? Yep, yep, I'm here. Uh, okay, this phone's faint. Uh, the, the the article about uh, with Joseph is it Goodman or Goldman? Mm-hmm, or Goodman. Yeah. Yes, about how Auburn people. I haven't met. I, I, now let me tell you something. If 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 Dion if they, if Colorado goes undefeated and you know and then Bama hires him like a lot of Bama people want right now, uh, a lot of Bama people want to get rid of Nick already to get him, but uh, you know in three years Auburn can't beat him. Then then yeah I'll say well yeah I wish Auburn would have hired him, but I don't know any. I, I mean. I know a lot of Auburn people. I don't know anybody that's saying, oh, we wish we would have hired Dion. And, hey, I was for him at the time. At the time, but I'm totally satisfied with what uh, he freeze is doing. And mm-hmm. I just think it's pretty presumptuous of him just to come out and say something like that. And this isn't nothing against Dion. That was a great game, man. A great win. Nothing against him but for you know for Goodman to just come out and make that was just way over the top and, and I wanted to say one other thing yeah talking to coaches uh as far as Dion like I said I wish him all the best he, he 
seems like a very, you know, well-grounded man. He, he's teaching Christianity, you know, mm-hmm. commitment, uh, the, the right, you know, type things. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think at Auburn it might have been a little bit different than what the freedom that he's got at Colorado. Mm-hmm. But, but I, 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 I wish him nothing but good luck. I hope, I, you know, I hope he does well. Yeah. I, you know, they're already talking about him replacing Belichick at the Patriots. <laughs> That's a little extreme, isn't it? But, 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 but on the national show, now this is where I was going with this just real quickly. Yeah. Uh, like I used to listen before. Uh, the reshuffling at ESPN. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to Keyshawn and Jay Will and Matt Scudderman. Yeah. And, and uh, the big, the biggest thing, and, and not only them, Stephen A. Smith, everybody, the biggest thing you heard every time, you know, uh, Joe Burrow had a good game, Keyshawn. Oh, well, you got to prove it. You got to do it again and again. You got to do it. And Dion had a great opening game. Mm-hmm. But now, after one game, everybody, everybody, even A, you know, and I guarantee you, if, if Keyshawn still had the mic in front of him, he would have been, hey, you know, Colorado's going to, you know, but for one game, have you noticed that? that oh yeah, hundred percent, Ed. You you are you're app you're right on it. Everybody and look, it's so easy to do that after one big game, and it was a big game. And congrats to Colorado; they they shocked the world. But you're absolutely right. They've got to prove it throughout a season. And Ed, what is a really really good Pac-12 that I still think Colorado is going to struggle in? Yeah, and you know, didn't the Pac-12 go undefeated? Yes, in week one they went undefeated. Yep. Yeah, all right, buddy. Take care. I'm going to listen to you. Appreciate the call, Ed. Good to hear from you. It's always always enjoyed talking to you. It's been a little bit, so we appreciate you calling in. 334-321-1390. Two things there quickly. Um, the Colorado stuff, you're right on, Ed. Um, they, they had a big win in week one, an impressive win in week one. Don't take anything away from it because nobody picked them to win that football game, and they did it anyway and did it in impressive fashion. They still have to play the rest of their schedule. Go look at who Colorado plays this year. They will be humbled very quickly. Could they make a bowl game? Sure, because I think they're more talented than people gave them credit for, myself included. But it's still going to be a tough game and a tough year for Colorado. I have them beating Nebraska this weekend, by the way, just for fun. I have them beating Nebraska. But the other thing is kind of connected there that um, Ed was talking about with Deion Sanders, his name was thrown around when Auburn was looking for a head coach. And that conversation has come up from different writers and different media people and even different fans of, well, given what Deion in Colorado did in week one, should Auburn have hired Deion Sanders instead of Hugh Freeze? No. No. The answer is no. Like, those are two completely different situations and Ed was right again where he said the freedom that that Deion Sanders has at Colorado where he just does whatever he wants whenever he wants and that's who Deion Sanders is it is different at Auburn and we've seen it in the past and I don't think anybody would trade in what Hugh Freeze has done so far at Auburn so 
the fact that these conversations come up, they're dumb, they're annoying, but they get clicks and they generate buzz, and that's what people get paid to do. When we come back, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us. We'll talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide, their starting quarterback, Jalen Milrow, and what they're doing to prepare for the Longhorns this weekend as the premier game in college football. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 as uh, we are currently getting Austin Hannon of Bama Central on the phone line. So uh, before we do that again, just a reminder, be sure you go and check out the podcast each and every day. Uh, You can find that at ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. We had Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 back on in the first hour, and now we have Austin Hannon of Bama central on in the second hour austin we got you on the phones can we hear you man you can i hope there we go i can can you hear me that's an important question too jacob i hear you i hear you and we're great excellent well man hope you're doing well um uh, enjoy i look forward to this every single week because you're you're so much fun to talk to and you uh cover alabama better uh than than anybody that i follow and then that's why i bring you on here just talking all things alabama and um want to jump into this with alabama of course playing the biggest game of the week in college football in week two but before we get there we got to recap week one brother and so alabama going into the season going into week one Lots of question marks, including the big one at quarterback. Alabama goes in. Alabama handles business against Middle Tennessee. Jalen Milrow looked really good. Your takeaways from Alabama's week one performance and victory over Middle Tennessee. Wow. I mean, how about the performance from Jalen Milrow? I'm glad you said that. Um, I think that's absolutely the storyline. I mean, that's. I mean, if you if you're following what I'm doing, uh, you've seen I've written plenty about Jalen Milrow since Saturday. Um, and look, I, I've said on this show a lot that, you know, I thought he was too inconsistent and um, I wasn't sure, you know, if he was going to be able to get the job because I just wasn't sure about him. Um, and he really eliminated all of that out of my brain on Saturday, at least for the time being, um, with the way he played. He, he did everything that he didn't do a year ago better. Um, and then some, I mean, he had plays where the ball's being snapped through his legs and he's grabbing it and running it for touchdowns and, um, he's dropping in deep balls from 40 yards away that are just perfect. And, and so everything it seemed like he was doing was right on. Um, and, and it was obvious to me at least that, you know, maybe we were underestimating him. Maybe uh, Nick Saban and company were not giving off too much this offseason because they kind of saw him and were like, okay, he's very much improved in the passing game. Um, and, you know, it, it was odd because the quarterback competition, quote-unquote, wasn't really a competition at all on Saturday. I mean, Milrope took every meaningful snap, um, and he didn't come out of the game until it was 42-0, and then by then, it, you're, you're, you know, you're putting your backup quarterback anyways. So uh, the defense looked great. I, I thought especially the pass coverage, uh, which was something they struggled last year with, of course, against Tennessee. Uh, they, they, were, they, just, they seemed so much more physical. Uh, there were young guys that were getting in the action and playing well. So I think it was a resounding success at Brian Denny Stadium on Saturday night, and uh, I think the only thing is, though, you got to really keep it going this week. And um, you, we, we've heard it all week, but this is really going to be, a, you know, the big test for Alabama. And I think after Saturday night, we're going to really know where this team's at moving forward. 
Alabama defeats Middle Tennessee 56-7. Austin, my favorite part of the entire game is the quarter box score because they scored 14 points in each quarter, and I just it just looks so perfect, right? It yeah. looks so good, yeah, Alabama. Symmetrical. yeah. It's the little things, right? Well, look, they scored 14 points in each quarter, scoring 56 total. And uh, Jalen Milrow, 13 of 18, 194 through the air, three touchdowns, also had seven carries for 48 yards and two touchdowns, set an Alabama record. Uh, He did something that no other Alabama quarterback has ever done. Um, Is this a – here's my biggest question, Austin. Is this a thing where – He just wasn't performing well in practice, and then when the lights came on, he became that dude? Or was he just hiding it in practice, and it's been there all along? Yeah, I don't know. I'm glad you asked that, because I just kind of brought it up. Like, Was this something they were trying to keep under wraps? Is that why they were really letting on about this quarterback battle? And uh, you know, Were they just acting frustrated and acting like they didn't really know how it was going to go? Or did they, you know, did this come out of nowhere? And I think that's a big question. Um, I don't know, because you know, he, he looks just so much improved from what we saw last year. Um, and, and it was Middle Tennessee State, and they were favored by 40. And so you have to talk about all that and think about all that. But I, I, I do think there is something to it. I think Middle Tennessee State won eight games in a bowl game last year. Um, so they weren't – it's not like they were – you know, it was Furman or West Carolina or, you know, whatever. It was, it was a team that, that, that made a bowl game and won games last year. And he diced them up, and he really could do no wrong other than, you know, a couple mistakes here and there where – he maybe got away with throwing an interception um, early in the game, but I mean, just so much improved. I mean, in every way, I, I like I just said, I mean, just in the pocket, the, the feet movement, the, you know, anticipation of throws, he had it all. And so if he could do that again Saturday night, I, I think the quarterback battle is over uh, in Tuscaloosa. I think, uh, and I, not just that, I think if he competes and plays like that uh, moving forward, then this team's got an absolute great chance to win the national championship this year. You'll remember that was my hot take on your show mm-hmm. um, last week was that Alabama would do it. I said, I think things are going to come together and, you know, they'll find a way to do it. And that's kind of what it looks like on Saturday. So um, if Saturday was any indication of what the season's going to look like, I think it's, it, it was off to a great start. Well, here's the thing, man. Milrow made a couple plays that it doesn't matter if you made it against a high school team. They were still really good plays, and they were electric and and exciting plays, which is why everybody has been talking about Jalen Milrow in college football. And so uh, I want to ask you this. Away from Jalen Milrow, any surprise that Tyler Buckner was the next guy to come in three for five, and then Ty Simpson was one of one? I mean, not very many throws from the backup quarterbacks, but any surprise that it was Tyler Buckner to come in and have – more snaps than Ty Simpson at the at the second spot? Yeah, that was a surprise to me, and you know I'm glad you asked that, and it makes sense why you asked him because I've been talking about Ty Simpson basically all offseason. Um, and a lot of Alabama fans have. I mean, I think a lot of people believe that, that he would be um, the successor to Bryce Young. I, I, he has the – on paper, uh, people said he had the best arm talent. Um, he looked you know, maybe the, mo- the more, most comfortable in the spring game and in the open practice we got to go to. Um, and so that's where I, draw, I drew those conclusions from, but – you know, I heard that maybe that week before last week's game was not a good week of practice for him, uh, and that's when Chris Lowe reported that he was the third string going into the game, and uh, that took a lot of people by surprise, and that's myself included. So um, I, I don't know if that's going to be a thing where it's that way all year. I, I think it might have been a thing where Buckner outperformed uh, Simpson in practice last week, and you know they were they were going to reward him for that and give him the second team reps. Uh, but like I said, I don't think any of it matters if you know this story of Jalen Milrow continues to unfold. Uh, because what we saw last week, I mean, he looked like a dark horse, you know, Heisman candidate. 
talking with Austin Hannon of Bama Central, who joins us every Wednesday, rivalry Wednesday, that is, here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Alabama scored 56 offensively, gave up just seven points defensively, a touchdown in the third quarter to Middle Tennessee. What impressed you about the Alabama defense? I know there were some question marks there um, coming into the year, but what stood out to you, Austin, defensively for the Crimson Tide? Yeah, top to bottom, Jacob. I mean, I had I, I told you all the offseason that I thought that the defense was going to be you know, really the catalyst to this team, the cornerstone of this team. And I think Saturday was another great indication of that. Obviously, the offense was great. Uh, Milrow was very efficient. But I think defensively, it all started there. Um, you know, they, they won the toss and deferred. They wanted to put the defense on the field first. And they went out there, and the first two drives the Blue Raiders, are, I believe, resulted in negative yardage. So um, that, that's the way you want to start the game. That's the way you want to start the season. They obviously did give up that late touchdown, but I mean, unbelievable top to bottom. You know, you're talking about the defensive line looks great. Uh, Deontay Lawson and the linebackers in the middle looks great. Cooley McKinstry, Taron Arnold, Caleb Downs, the true freshman uh, five-star safety looks great out there, led the team in tackles in his first collegiate game. So, I mean, you really couldn't ask for more. The only problem was uh, Jalen Key, did the UAB transfer, and of course Malachi Moore both got hurt in the game and are now questionable for this week's game against Texas. So, you know, there's the negative part of that. You lost a couple of your, de- of your defensive backs that uh, were starters in last week's game. And right now we don't know if they're going to play. Saban did say today on the teleconference that they have been practicing, but that it was not, you know, guaranteed if they were going to be 100% by game day um, on Saturday. So that, that's a definitely a developing situation that you want to keep an eye on. Uh, but, you know, even the linebackers that weren't Deontay Lawson, they got to come in, I think it looks great. Tresman Marshall, the Georgia transfer, looks great in his first game for Bama. Um, and then, you know, off the bench, Kendrick Blackshire didn't, hasn't really played a lot of football, uh, but looks really good in the limited time he got. So um, I, I think there was just tons of positives on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I really didn't expect to be maybe having all these positives on this show this week just because there were so many question marks going in. But um, I think a lot of Alabama fans are excited and rightly so. Well, of course, we got to flip the page to week two of college football as Alabama playing in the biggest game in week two when they welcome number 11 Texas to Bryant-Denny Stadium. Texas didn't do anything crazy in week one, Austin. 37-10 to win over Rice. I think they held back a lot like most teams did in week one. What's your assessment of this Texas team? We know what the craziness of the game was last year. We know the big injury that happened last year in Alabama truly escaping Austin with the win. In. what's your your assessment of this year's texas team as they come to brian denny on saturday night yeah i don't think that 37 to 10 score uh did the longhorns justice on saturday i actually went back and uh watched some of their film last night from that rice game and uh early on in the game they had some fourth down and and short yardage positions that they didn't you know complete and then that took away some points early um and so rice was able to hang out hang around for a while but it, it really wasn't as close as it might have looked um, and that wasn't even very close at 37 to 10. But, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers is a great player, and he's seen this Alabama defense, of course, last year uh, when he got hurt late in the first quarter. I think he was 9 for 12 for almost 150 yards, um, had, had really been dicing up the Alabama defense early on and was, uh, you know, a big part in the fact that Texas was ahead in that game when he went out, I think. So um, they, they've got a good football team, and everybody knows Steve Sarkeesian around here, obviously, was the offensive coordinator. Um, just a couple of years back, he's very familiar with Nick Saban and everything that goes on around here. So uh, I don't think there's going to be any question marks from either team. They kind of know what to expect. Uh, but it's just going to be, hey, will it be a game like it was last year where Alabama's got to win the game later? You know, can can they you know separate themselves earlier on? That's that's the question. And 
Um, I do think this is a good Texas football team. The line's at seven and a half, and everybody I've been talking to, I've been saying, hey, Texas, I think, is going to cover that spread uh, because I do think it's going to be a game similar to last year. I think it's going to be a great defensive game. Uh, I think Alabama could have a little bit of trouble uh, in the secondary defending some of those really good Texas wide receivers. Of course, A.D. Mitchell, they've got Xavier Worthy, who tore up the Crimson Tide last year. Uh, so they, they pose a lot of problems, and they don't have B. John Robinson, which I think is a huge help. And he's a guy that they had last year that really, you know, had a lot of success, obviously, every game, but especially against Alabama early on as well. So it's going to be a good game. And I think it's going to be, if, if Jalen Milrow can play like he is, it's going to be a game that goes down the stretch and it's Ewers versus Milrow. You know, who can, uh, which defense can get to stop first and, and, and get their defense off the field. And um, I think the home, the home field advantage will be a big thing for Alabama. So um, very exciting. Of course, college game day and SEC Nation, everybody's in town to see it. So. Uh, there'll be a lot of fanfare as well. Yeah, you bring up Bryant Denny. That that was my next direction to go. How big is this six o'clock night game in Bryant Denny there in Tuscaloosa? You mentioned all of the theatrics are going to be out. Game day, SEC Nation, all eyes in college football, even Auburn fans' eyes because they're playing on the same channel. Alabama and Texas there at Tuscaloosa. I mean, it's it, it just shapes up to be a huge game for Alabama and a chance to really maybe quiet some doubters here early in the season. Yeah, it doesn't really get much bigger, Jacob. I mean, this game's been circled on you know all Alabama fans' calendar for a long time, and of course, with the way last year went down, and uh, it was a close game, and you know Texas's crowd was awesome. I was there in Austin for it last year. Um, I, I think it should be even better this year because you know you're hoping. Uh, just as a football fan, that Quinn Ewers will be able to stay in the game this year. But even if he didn't, Jacob, I mean, you know who the next guy on the list is for Texas. <laughs> and just imagine the storylines of Ewers getting hurt again and then Arch Manning coming into the game at Brian Denny Stadium uh, and his first collegiate appearance going against Nick Saban. I mean, that would be unbelievable. But here's to hoping that Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt just because I think he, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a better option for Texas and he's going to make this game closer than I think Arch would. No, you know, hate on Arch, but he's young and. Um, he's, he still has things to learn from Quinn Ewers. So right. uh, it, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I think there's, there's really no way to describe it. We just have to see it on the field. And, um, you know, I've been waiting since last Saturday just because there's been so much bright stuff that we saw from Alabama last week. But it all comes down to this game, right? You have to prove it again. And if they look, you know, not very good on offense, not very good on defense, whatever it may be, the question marks come right back out, right? Like they're, they're, they're gone for now. But if Texas wins this game or Texas, you know, shows some weaknesses in the Alabama team, then, you know, we'll have to have question marks about that. So um, I, I really do think it's going to be a great game. I think there's going to be Texas fans in town. Obviously, you have all the theatrics with the TV networks and everybody's going to be in town and the scouts are going to be everywhere. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be a show. And I, I think uh, at the end of the day, I think Alabama does win it. Uh, but like I said earlier, I think Texas covers that seven and a half point spread. And uh, we, we maybe see another game winning field goal from Will Record this week against them. You hinted at it already, and it was going to be my final question. To play a little pushback here, what happens if Alabama does lose on Saturday? Because game one was exciting for them. A lot of questions, of course, Milrow and the quarterback situation was answered. But what happens if Texas does come to Tuscaloosa and and squeak out a win or dominate, however they do it? What happens if Texas wins? What does Alabama do from there? Yeah, that's another good question. And this is a game that um, a lot of – you know, non-Alabama, you know, people said this is a game that they could lose because it's early in the season. You don't have all your answers figured out yet. And we, you know, as we've seen in the past, most Nick Saban teams get better as the year goes on. Um, and, and if you want to beat Alabama, you want to do it early in the season more, you know, if you're not Auburn, right. That, that's, that's really been the only case when Alabama's 
kind of gone downhill towards the end of the season as if it's at Jordan-Hare Stadium. So uh, if Alabama loses this game, I don't think they really lose anything. You know, you're still obviously in the hunt for a playoff spot. You're still in the hunt to win the SEC championship. It won't, you, know, you don't get a loss within the conference. But this is one of those, you know, bragging rights games, Jacob. I mean, Texas and Alabama are two of the biggest fan bases in the country. Uh, Alabama won't hear the end of this if they lose on Saturday. So, um, and, and not just that, I mean, Texas comes to the SEC next year and yep, you don't really know yet. You don't have another matchup right now scheduled against Texas. So uh, the winner of this game is going to have the bragging rights until that day comes. And that's, that's big for two of these fan bases like this that have two of the bigger, you know, powerhouses in the country. So um, it's going to be everything that it's been drawn out to be, I'm sure. And I, I think it's going to be a great football game and, and worth the wait. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and as I mentioned, all eyes in college football will be on Tuscaloosa Saturday night. Texas and Alabama, 6 o'clock on ESPN. Auburn fans will be watching that, waiting very patiently, drinking anything they can to keep themselves awake before Auburn kicks off at 9.30 after that game against Cal. So uh, Auburn fans will be uh, excited to watch that game and then Auburn play as well. Austin Hannon of Bama Central, he joins me every Wednesday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. As always, man, I enjoyed it. Uh, You tell it like it is, and I appreciate Appreciate you for that. You've got Alabama winning on Saturday. You'll be there covering the game. Let everybody know where they can find you. All your fantastic work for the game this Saturday. Yes, sir. So BamaCentral.com is the place to be. Um, and of course, like I always say, if you want to follow along on Twitter, it's become such a big thing in the sports media world. Um, you can follow me at AustinHannon underscore. I will be there on Saturday and and really looking forward to it. You know, I've been to some great events uh, in my in my life already, and you know that includes the national championship amongst other things. I was and Baton Rouge and Knoxville last year, but not, not a lot of games have been hyped up like this one. Um, and it's probably the biggest game at Brian Denny Stadium since Joe Burrow came to town in 2019. That was the last time game day was in town. So very much looking forward to it. And, you know, maybe I'll get to catch some of the Auburn game after as well. We'll take it all in, man. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you next Wednesday and recap in Alabama, Texas, and we'll see what the result is. All right. Sounds good, Jacob. Talk to you next week. Appreciate it, man. That is Austin Hannon of Bama Central, who joins me every Wednesday here during Rivalry Wednesday and on the line on ESPN 106.7. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap it up before Bill and Dan take over for The Drive. Coming up on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, winding down here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Thanks to Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us as he does every rivalry Wednesday. Him and Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Go check both of those guys out. They do a wonderful job uh, covering their respective teams and programs. Uh, Jordan at Dogs247.com and then Austin Hannon at BamaCentral.com, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. So I appreciate both of those guys. Been a great show today. Had a bunch of good callers, great guests, great discussions. if you missed any of the show, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast right after the show today, ESPNAU.com. You can also go there and fill out your SEC Football Challenge Week 2 picks. All right, Go and make your picks. Uncle T-Bone and I will make our picks live here on the show on Friday. Uh, Got to go through my, my results from Week 1 uh, and go over those on the air because I did pretty well. Just want to say, I did pretty well. So uh, We'll go through those maybe tomorrow or Friday. We'll make our picks, but be sure you go and do that as well, ESPNAU. 
www.thelinewithyou.com. Uh, and then you can also search on the line wherever you get your podcast after the show today. Talk to Auburn practice notes from yesterday, the big injury news in the linebacker room. Austin Keys has a thumb injury, had surgery on it, and he is out indefinitely. Uh, we'll see how the status of him changes over the next few weeks. Uh, we talked about that in the first hour. Jordan Hill joined us. Austin Hannon joined us. Talked some of the biggest storylines going into week two of college football. We'll talk some more about those matchups tomorrow. It's a busy show on Thursday. You know it is. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Auburn High School's head football coach Keith Etheridge got to talk about the tough loss to Enterprise. And then Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us tomorrow. Busy show on a Thursday, so come back 2-4 to four here on ESPN 106.7. Bill and Dan stepping in the studio. Jason Caldwell will join them for the drive here from 4-6 to six on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. But come back tomorrow, 2-4, to four, right here on ESPN 106.7, ESPNAU.com. And the ESPN 1067 app. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.